Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 404th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that's going the way of the dinosaurs, which is to say, up and to the right. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I am your host, James Chilcott, a.k.a. at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host is Cliff Daigle, a.k.a. at Word of Commander on Twitter, and we're here to help you folks save it, make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Hello, everybody. As always, I'm looking forward to diving into all the stuff that happened this week. But before we do, I want to remind our listeners that this show is produced by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Please sign up today at mtgprice.com to plan your specs, chat on a great Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5, that's the number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Cliff, my friend, what is on our busy agenda this week? Well, this week we've got five amazing segments. We're going to lead off with the Metagame Week in Review. We've got the 10K Modern event to talk about. And then face-to-face had their regional quali- regional championship for Pioneer, so some great data from those two formats. Segment two is our top movers in paper. Segment three is our top movers online. In segment four, we're going to go over the cards we think are uh, worth buying right now. And in segment five, we've got two big things to talk about. All the new commanders who are lighting it up. And then the probable announcement of a ban on Monday. We've got an announcement of a ban announcement, which is always a wonderful thing to have. Alrighty, let's jump right on in here to the metagame week in review. We're looking at a couple of big paper tournaments, specifically taking a look at how Modern and Pioneer are doing leading into this banned and restricted announcement coming next week. We've got the 10k NRG series Modern event that had a couple hundred people in it uh, from this past weekend, and it was taken down by Blue-Black Control, of all things, running for the One Ring and a bunch of the other Blue-Black Control elements that you would expect to see. Uh, that's uh, certainly a bit of an anomaly versus what we see typically on Magic Online and in recent paper events. But the rest of this look pretty straightforward. We have four colored Beanstalk in second, Amulet Titan in third, Shardless Rhinos in fourth, two sets of Mono Black Control in fifth and sixth. Definitely an up and coming deck to watch, especially if Scam gets targeted in the BNR announcement alongside Beanstalk, as we might expect. Mono Black Control might get a bit of a boost. Black Red Scam did finish seventh and eighth to. Uh, finish up that tournament top eight. It's glorious stuff, man. Uh, you want a playset of Children and a playset of Orcish Bowmasters, uh, maybe a couple trolls in there for your creature suite, and the rest is just Karn and greatness and everything I love about modern. Just uh, efficient removal, some hand control and thoughtsies, a delightful sideboard you get when you get to play with Karn. It's just all glorious. I think this is really great. The Demir deck uh, that was playing four of the One Ring, and then I always love something like a, a one of Narset Parter Avails. There was one in the main and one in the side. And Narset just seems so well positioned if people are still playing the One Ring, but I'm not sure enough people were. Yeah, on over into Pioneer, where everybody seems to be worried about the two combo decks that have appeared out of nowhere from the new releases in Lost Caverns of Ixalan. 
Uh, very much sounded in the uh, pre-announcement today like they were targeting something in the format and that it might be these new combo decks. But funnily enough, with uh, a fairly strong field up here in Canada run by face-to-face games for the regional championships, this basically puts people into worlds, if I'm not mistaken, or at least onto the Pro Tour. The top four decks, which I believe are the ones that can, that uh, qualified, were all variants of Is It Phoenix, with Grixis Phoenix taking it down in first. Is it Phoenix second, third, and fourth geological appraiser combo? In the I think either the first or second week, it was possible to top eight, taking fifth and sixth. Rakdos mid range and seventh, and another is it Phoenix in eighth for a total of five out of the top eight. It seems you know they had a, a really good day. They came in loaded for bear, and I don't see a lot in the decks that were like, no, we're definitely going to. Uh, mess you up although there was a lot of uh, jawari disruption the um the four spike land combo card uh that's really neat and it's not like they came in with specific sideboard cards it's just that these have enough interaction to where you can't keep the appraiser combo going easily i think is what was going on it's also possible that in paper people didn't have the cards for the combo decks yet or hadn't tested enough with them that they felt confident. Hard to get your reps in in paper if you don't have the Magic Online decks set up. And a lot of these cards on Magic Online have spiked so hard that they might be turning people off picking up the decks. Um, bottom line, if Scam gets targeted in Modern, Mono Black Control, Shardless Rhinos, and Amulet Titan all stand to benefit alongside this Blue Black Control deck that we've been seeing here and there and over in Pioneer, is it Phoenix? Uh, seems to have the most to gain, and maybe Rakdos mid-range, which was kind of the top deck and pioneer for the better part of the first half of this year, could float back to the surface. Yeah, as we're gonna we're gonna talk about there, what might rise up if a, a ban happens to try and nerf some of these decks. Uh, I think I would also uh, keep in mind people might just switch over to Lotus Field. That's a pretty hard combo to beat, but it's not as easy to pull off as Geological Praiser is. All right, on over to segment two, top paper movers. All sorts of action here. We could have talked about 70 or 80 cards this week. I'm glad we're not. I mean, thank you. <laughs> I only flag it because people seem to think that all cardboard is headed downward uh, in this era of heavy reprints, but it really isn't that simple. I, I, I was pointing out to somebody on Twitter last week that... Um, there are more $50 plus cards now than there have been at any point in Magic's history. Which is, which is right. important to wrap your head around because it means that despite how much premium product, how many variants they put out, how many times something like Doubling Season has been printed, the market is actually accepting a, a broader swath of expensive you know, $20 plus cards, $50 plus, $100 plus collector tier $500 plus cards than they ever did before there was a certain time where that the number of cards that were over a hundred dollar price point in magic was limited to something like 50 and now we're well over 500 there is a lot of that going on you're you're very right about that so looking at top paper movers we kick things off here with lorian revealed non-foils uh showcase scrolls going five to eight dollars you chose the foils last week and it looks like it generated some action or tapped into action that was already ongoing this is of course the best of the land cycling cards out of the lord of the rings set and because the holiday edition is unlikely to see any kind of a reprint it doesn't have a regular booster box 
uh, alongside the Collector Booster product that people could find these in. There has been plenty of early targeting on the best cards from this release. We also have Palantir of Orthanc Showcase Scroll, 11 to 17, 54% gains on that early targeting. Illustrious Wanderglyph Extended Arts out of uh, Lost Caverns of Ixalan, 4 to $7. That is 75% gains. That's a really good uh, token generating card that's fantastic in things like Genifei. Tashana's Tidebinder has been very important right out of the gate as both something that can be used in Shardless Rhinos and Modern and also can be used against the combo decks that have been popping up in Pioneer. As such, I have totally sold out of all the copies I opened in LCI Collector Boosters and it the non-foil version of the card went 10 to 18 on that heavy Pioneer and Modern play. We have it's a Sarah- regular rare, right? Yeah. So I mean, yeah, wow. This is like pulling a ledger shredder or a fable of the mirror breaker impression, and by all means, I'm I'm happy to sell into that. Ceremon of many colors out of the I believe it's the borderless version, although I didn't denote it here. Going seven to fourteen early holiday premium targeting, as we said, abyssal persecutor borderless seven to fourteen, and I think when I see a card like that that I know isn't seeing any play anywhere. Uh, show up on a list like this, it makes me feel like they're being targeted broadly. And indeed, I went over to eBay to check some of the prices on some of these borderless uh, LTR cards that have been spiking and found that there was a significant lag. And usually that's a signal to me that the speculators are focusing their efforts on TCG player trying to manipulate the direct price that they can sell into as opposed to there being fantastic underlying market demand. And as a result, I would, you know, it's fine for something like the One Ring borderless, Although I think, you know, a lot of these have now spiked to the point where you should be selling them anyway. But something like Abyssal Persecutor, which has fantastic art by the Hildebrandt brothers, if I'm not mistaken, but isn't really seeing play anywhere, that's a for sure sale. You take that money and Absolutely. Run. Yeah, you get out. Flaming Dinosaur at a Doctor Who, 3 to $6 regular copies, just dino hype. Uh, dino, two of the top five commanders, as we're going to talk about shortly, are dinosaurs. And people lo- are, they really got a ton of support. If you go through the dinosaur really dinosaur specific cards out of Lost Caverns, they were not messing around. Both vampires and dinosaurs got like at minimum 10 cards each that greatly enrich those typal decks. And I finally went ahead and pulled together a dinosaur deck because I had enough of the that stuff sitting <laughs> around for my cracking to really fill it out. And my Markov deck got seven cards better. Like I was able to take out a bunch of middling two and three drops and put in some very nasty things. And then there's also a sub theme in the vampires related to uh, creating one, one lifelinkers that really enriched my Aloro deck. Cause one of the things in Aloro is a lot of my payoff cards of which there are at least 20, maybe 25 want you to gain three to five life a turn. And typically that means you're making four, four angels or some such. Right. And, you know, there's a there's a card where every time something dies, it gets a counter on it. And then when it dies, you get 1-1 one, one lifelink vampires equal to the number of counters that were on it, equal to its power or something. And that's just exactly where you want to be with the life gain decks because it just it gives you defense. It lets you uh, trade off in combat without losing life. It lets you get your life quote, quota for the turn so that you can turn on all your payoffs. It's just lots of goodies there. And then over in the design dinosaur land, there's 
things that make the design dinosaurs cheaper. There's things that draw cards equal to the number of dinosaurs you have. There's a small dinosaur that attacks as a, as whatever your biggest dinosaur is when it attacks, and so on and so forth. And and as we're going to go through, the top commander of the week is a very good mid-tier di- dinosaur that makes all the other dinosaurs much better. So, uh, not surprising to see a bunch of dinosaur cards on this list. I was going to say, it's not just the dinosaurs. We're probably going to see something similar with uh, everything else. It's just that dinosaurs got a lot of the attention with Jurassic Park and everything. And uh, as we're going to see, Merfolk is also a popular uh, choice because that deck got a lot of fun tools as well. They just really printed some amazing typal enablers in the commander decks and the main set itself. It's a very, very strong set that has had impact on multiple formats. And I think it's probably the most impactful standard set since Neon Dynasty. I don't think that's unfair to say. Um, especially if it's going to generate near-immediate bans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that's actually closer to original L Drain if, if it ends up in, yeah. in, in that category. How do you feel, you know, uh, you're in Oko territory, uh, yeah. Geologic Combo? Yeah. Quintorius Canned is the other major combo deck in Pioneer, going 6 to $11 in regular copies. I've been selling every single one of these I, I touch because once that combo gets nerfed, this just goes back to being a very mid-tier planeswalker. Uh, so despite how fantastic the multicolor art borderless version it is. It really is awesome art on the borderless. Gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, despite that, sell, sell, sell. Because if, if it gets banned on Monday, you're not going to want to get caught holding cans at all. Trumpeting Carnosaur borderless is part of that deck uh, or one of the combo decks in Pioneer. 350 to 7 for the non-foil borderless, 100% gains. I've been selling those too. Glass Pool Mimic out of ZNR. Lots of people got ca- caught holding ZNR bulk given how heavily they printed those CBs uh, and the set in general. You're definitely going to want to sell play sets of Mimic at $15 or whatever this weekend before ban announcements are made. So dig out your Mimics and get them up for sale, folks. Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more. Pantalaza, Sunfavored, Borderless, Foils, going 10 to 20. That's the top commander of the week, as we will investigate further. Exotic Orchard, EA Surge Foils at a Doctor Who, 6 to 14. I was looking at this. This is the nicest looking version of Exotic Orchard that is available other than the super cartoony one from Secret Lair. So if you like a more serious uh, approach to your art then this might be your preferred, but it's also just part of the general trend line of people going after S-tier staples and surge foil on the assumption that their print rates are low enough that they can do so successfully. Yeah, especially out of a Doctor Who product. Uh, this is undersold, and uh, there's not going to be as many of these as you might think. So, this Well, you, is, this you, and I have had, you and I have a hanging question mark on whether or not there's going to be a big dump of Doctor Who singles in the next few it months. It feels but we, likely. But we haven't seen <laughs> it yet. So yet. we'll see. Uh and I didn't see, I didn't flag big sales on Doctor Who during Black Friday week either. Uh, a bunch of other stuff was very cheap in a variety of uh, purchasing options that Pro Traders posted in our Discord. And certainly people got a lot of good deals this week, but I don't remember Doctor Who product being part of that. Come to think of it, I agree, yeah. Shadow of the Enemy borderless poster foil version, $5 to $12. This is early targeting as well. I think the lowest price copy on TCG Player is actually $20, but I only gave them credit for 12 because nothing at 20 has sold. And, and it very much looks like it's part of the uh, targeting process. I did look on eBay and the borderless poster foils were harder to find than some of the early targeting on the LCI stuff. 
just because, as you and I have already established, the foil poster versions are actually pretty rare, pretty, you know, fairly rare mm-hmm. pulls in general. They're also very, very cool art. So the best of the playables there, not surprising that people are going after them. And again, if if the curve on opening for holiday product is basically finished, and in that the case of that particular product, we know exactly how much they printed. It's very possible that most of that has already sold. Maybe pallets of those singles are not going to show up anytime soon. If that holds true, then these will have an easier time holding these new plateaus. Mm-hmm. That's that's completely legit. I agree with you. Charismatic Conqueror is an LCC card that you can also pull out of the collector boosters for Lost Caverns of Ixalan going 8 to 20 this week. It's the fourth highest EDH play from LCC, top 10 for the set overall across both commander and main set cards. Somebody was asking in the Discord earlier why it was sitting at $20. Um, I think the card is underrated so far in the stats on EDH rec. This is basically blind obedience on a stick, right? They Yeah, this is it, two mana for a 2-2 two, two vampire whenever... Something comes into play for the... Is it just creature or is it creature artifact or two. artifact? Artifact, too. So whenever so one of those comes into play, uh, either it comes in tapped or you get a 1-1 vampire with lifelink, right? Yeah. So I, I put that right into Markov and I put that yeah. right into right Oro. In. And it fits in both places very, very well. And it, it's yeah. also... The thing is, it's good in those typo scenarios, but it's just good, period. This is just a... It's you just can good. Yeah, you can just put this in alongside an Esper Sentinel in most of your white decks and feel good about that because this is going to give them tough choices. And when you play Sentinel and this and Smothering Tithe, and if you're in blue, you've got a wrist in there somewhere. Oh, man. just I... When you compound your taxing effects, no matter yeah. how brave they feel about slowing their own play down to accommodate you, to make sure you don't get enough advantage, they end up having to break. <laughs> and and I've proven this again and again, playing uh, not Black Market Connections, Protection Racket, uh, which is another card that people have underestimated, where they, they just deny me the cards constantly for the first two or three turns, the lands they get for free. But that life drain adds up. You, you deal 10 damage, 15 damage, 20 damage to the table, and by the end of the game, they finally stop denying you, and then you start drawing cards. And so by the time everything's said and done, you've done anywhere from 15 to 30 damage to the table. You've drawn three or four cards minimum. And sometimes they'll, if you're, you know, if there is a person that looks like they're about to win at the table, then they start giving you the cards because they're hoping you're going to find the solution. And again, when you have a conqueror and a blind obedience and a sentinel and, and smothering tithe and so forth, this stuff just all provides additional tax energy that means you're going to come out ahead so conqueror looks very good to me at 20 i think i'm still a seller because 20 is 20 <laughs> 20 for a rare is still 20 for a rare but you're gonna yeah. want to you're gonna want to hold at least one copy back for your decks if you're playing edh it's hard to argue against ha- this is like we're, we're in a realm of edh where there are so many cards that really qualify as amazing staples that you can just pick out a hundred good white cards that basically every deck should run and you just have to decide what you are and are not going to run this is in that realm you know it's a creature and it just makes creatures so it dies to big wrath effects but at the same time you can get a ridiculous number of vampires from this and it's really easy to build a deck that exploits the hell out of all these vampires so this is going to be good for a while and i'm looking forward to seeing what kind of degeneracy results from it 
I also like that in Markov, this makes a vampire right away anyway. Oh, man, just compounding the vampires. How lovely. You get at least one vampire, so you're getting two bodies for two, and then additionals are dependent on their action, but you're going to get some. So, yeah, I I like this card a lot. $20, I'm still a seller. Moving right along, we've got... Uh, Magma Opus, which was had spiked originally last year on the back of a different combo deck. Was it the Transmogrify yeah. and Indomitable Creativity I know it was, decks? I think it was a Creativity deck, yeah. Yeah, cre- Creativity decks in, in both Pioneer and Modern were fooling around with Opus to generate a treasure that they could then turn into something gigantic. And now it's being played in the Discover combo decks in Pioneer. It's gone three to eight dollars just in regular copies. Foils are through the roof. Absolutely, you sell into that because if they're going to nerf this deck, you, you just want to ride that wave out the out the door and and wait for the next spike down the road. Magma Opus is not is, is exactly the kind of mythic they might never reprint. Yeah, they don't they don't need to reprint this. It's not popular enough on its own in any format. But every time you need a cheap enabler or an amazing spell to cast at instant speed out of the graveyard or whatever. This does both of those things. This was a cornerstone of the whole uh, Mizzix Mastery deck and Limited too. So um, I would be selling these. And if the ban comes on Monday and these become $1 or $2 again, I'm going to think hard about buying a stack for the next time that this happens. In the same way that Charismatic Conqueror out of the Vampire deck for LCC... Uh, is doing well. Wrathful Raptors out of the dinosaur deck is also doing well. When two dollars to eight dollars on Dino Hype targeting, it is a five five for five trample. But whenever a dinosaur you control is dealt damage, it deals that much damage to any target that isn't a dinosaur. <laughs> so that is an automatic include in the dinosaur decks. So if you're not running that, you're making a mistake because that's just such a silly ability to have when all of your creatures practically are dinosaurs. Uh, Dinosaur deck has a lot of power in that four, five, six band. Almost, it's kind of like yeah. a dragon deck in the sense that almost nothing they play is not going to have a near immediate impact on the board. Marrow Commerce going five to fifteen at a morning tide. That's two hundred percent gains on Merfolk hype. It was also called out in Cliff's article from November third. It, it's never received a reprint, right? That is correct. Uh, there is just never gotten it in morning tide because it's got that uh, the tribal on the front, so it is a Merfolk that you can go find with anything that finds a merfolk. And it's just really good. We know how good the uh, the cheaper version is, and this is something that scales ridiculously fast, and they just never got around reprinting it. This was one of the cards that they, when the original uh, lists were spoiled, uh, wrote a whole piece about all the cards they left out, and this was one of them. And if you got in then, congratulations, it's time to get out. It's also significantly more awkward for them to reprint this now because they've already announced that the word tribal will no longer be used they're switching to typal but if they update the official text for this to be typal enchantment it's gonna be confusing (laughs) when people go to play it so i wouldn't think that this is high on their priority list for a reprint it's the kind of thing that if they decide to just go ahead and do it anyway they can it can show up in a secret layer it can show up wherever but it's got significantly more reprint friction than your average card. Yes, it's got it's got some problems in front of it, and uh, you know, even with all that, I would still be selling pretty hard. I would not be hanging on to this with any fervor or hope. 
broadside bombardiers extended arts have been doing very well uh, vis-a-vis legacy and i think the lowest direct copy is currently 15 the lowest non-direct copies at 10 on his g player i just sold one for 12 last night these are uh, on my to sell immediately list as well it's got that cyber drive awakener feel where a, a brief legacy spike will later lead these to be f- sub five dollars or something this is a two two for two and a red goblin pirate met with menace and haste whenever it attacks which i think is what boast means right sacrifice another creature or artifact it deals two damage to any uh sorry to two plus the sacrifice permanence mana value to any target so you sack a, a treasure then you're going to do two to something if you cre- sacrifice a one drop you're going to do three to something etc and it's a good card but i'm more than happy to pull these out of collector boosters for lci and move them into the market oh yeah move them on out especially with the troubles that uh, lci is having Voldalian Hexcatcher out of Dominaria United gives people some hope for any uh, bulk of this that they had sitting around because these were as low as $3 earlier this year. And now they are, we have the just regular copies going 2 to $10. I think foil extended arts are pushing something like $20, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I, I saw 20 when I looked uh, yesterday. Have, they, have people posted some lower copies if you're looking it up right now? I'm just taking a look and seeing where it's seeing the most play. It seems like it would be being played alongside Tidebinder. Uh, in Merfolk, in Modern, it's seeing play. In Merfolk, in Legacy. And in Simic, Merfolk, and Pioneer. That's good yeah. places. Especially for a set that uh, you know has basically been shielded or bust. Uh, we found out that there, there is a limit to how rare you can make things that are not serialized, and these Lost Legend was exactly the, the it's too rare, nobody gives a crap. Yeah, so I, I got my extended art and foil extended art versions of this up for sale last night. Hopefully those will sell through on the weekend as the blue-green Merfolk deck and Pioneer takes on the rule, the kind of tempo control rule that was traditionally the home of Bant Spirits for the most part. But now right. with Tashana's Tidebinder fitting well into the Merfolk deck against the combo decks and them still being able to run Collected Company because they're blue-green, not blue-white, uh, the whole thing kind of comes together nicely for them. And they've got a lot of Merfolk support over the, they do the last couple of years. They a lot of support. A lot of lords in Merfolk. And... Here's a weird one. Trophy Mage out of Ether Revolt foils 4 to $20. It's a single printing. But why was it cleaned out? I couldn't figure out any commander that has to go get a specific three casting cost artifact, what is Trophy Mage going up for? I don't know, but wasn't there a promo version of this? Am I am I remembering that correctly? That there was. Uh, I think there. Yeah, there is a there's a non foil promo. Yeah. But the, um, the, but the it wasn't a foil promo. Correct. It was a non foil. Uh, let's see, what costs three that everybody's going after? It can, go get or, it can go get Orthanc. It can go get all the swords. but uh, Midnight Clock? I don't know. I, I couldn't find a commander that is leaning on a three, like a Godo-type situation where it leans on a specific piece of equipment or something. So I'm not exactly sure what's going on there. If anybody knows, feel free to hit us up in the Discord and let us know. Repudiate Replicate Foils out of RNA went 2 to 18. That's on the back of the Pioneer combo deck. Needing them, absolutely sell if you have those sitting around. That's the bulkiest bulk as soon as that combo passes. Easy move. 
As, yeah. as, it, well, either it gets banned or something else happens. Like this is you always want to sell into the spike, and this is yet another example of that. Now, over on Magic Online, uh, some relatively predictable movers. There's a new, another new combo deck, kind of the third uh, most known of the combo decks that have been generated by LCI is this new one in Pioneer, the Abzan Amalia Benavides Aguirre combo deck. This is a 2-2 for white and a black vampire scout. I also put this into Waloro because it has ward, pay three life. So they're losing life just to get rid of it. And whenever you gain life, she explores. I mean, getting free explorers in an incidental life gain deck is just good, period. And then you destroy all other creatures if her power is exactly 20. So along the way here, they're probably going to kill her because they don't they, they don't want to let her be destroyed. But the question is, she's not a threat immediately. And so they're probably going to take their time with it. And it'll be like if she survives, most of the time she's going to get caught up in incidental sweepers in the mid game where they're not going after her. But it's just convenient that she goes away along with everything else. But every so often, you're going to find a way to really pump her up quick when you ha- when you can you know, generate a, like a soul warning kind of a thing. You're yeah. Just if you have like a, one yeah. life, boom, one life, yeah. boom, one life, boom. Yeah. And so there's this combo deck that can do that in pioneer. That's running Cenote scout, gilded goose, Lunark veteran, selfless savior, four copies of her Dina soul steeper, prosperous innkeeper and wild growth Walker return to the ranks, court of calling and collected company to go get the combo. And presumably she just, she just goes gigantic um, with, with the combo and you can fire her off so to see that there are you know multiple copies of the fiend artisan showing up in these builds but not all the versions of the builds and there was also some modern decks running around including ones that aspiring spike was testing lately that were making use of it maverick sometimes runs the card in legacy certainly in commander you have marin of clantel Nel Toth, Gerard, Sidisi, Kenrith, various decks have have reason to run the Fiend Artisan. So seeing some gains on Magic Online going from 2.85 ticks to five, just over 5 ticks, 78% gains. Virtue of Loyalty, one of the mythics out of Wilds of Eldraine, went 2.65 ticks to 5.92 on heavy standard play. It's also in 9,800 decks on EDH Rex, so some of the EDH demand may, may also be factoring in there on Magic Online. Magma Opus, as we uh, already flagged in paper, also moving in the realm of tickets this is a strixhaven mythic again 5.3 ticks to 47 tickets almost 800 percent gains if you had been sitting on some magma opus so if you drafted a bunch of strixhaven on magic online you better go check your bulk sitting in your collection because now is the moment to move i mean this year i i know that 800 percent seems like a lot we've had some huge movers on magic online and uh, it's absolutely a place where if you don't sell your bulk regularly, sometimes uh, stuff will just light right up. And I would not be shocked if, a, if more than a few of our viewers went and looked back like, oh, snap, I have five of those because I did sure didn't pass one in Strixhaven Draft. So, yeah, let's get it out there and sell it for 40-odd dollars online. Heck, yes. Moving on over to cards to watch. My first one here is a card that, I remember debating with pro traders whether it was even good enough for EDH, but fast forward six months and this thing has been reported in over 60,000 decks on EDH rec. 
I played it early on in testing in my food deck and knew right away that this thing is a super staple in anything that cares about tokens. It is a 2-3 flyer for 4 whenever you create or sacrifice a token, each opponent loses a life. So you put a clue into play, you drain. You, well, don't drain, you deal one damage to everybody. You then sack that token, you do another one. So every token represents potentially two life loss. And if you're making a bunch of creature tokens and they go ahead and sweep, they have to consider that if you've got five or six tokens on the table, they're going to take 12, 10 or 12. So card's very, very good. And more to the point, the borderless foil version of this card is not good art. It's just a bunch of bats off in the distance. It's not, doesn't look scary. The main set art is much better. And it also looks a lot better in the scroll frame. So the foil scroll version that came out in the holiday release which is probably the only premium version of this you're going to get for quite some time because it mentions Mirkwood specifically, so they can't just reprint this cleanly without renaming it. You can get these for about $1.50 with shipping, $1.50 to $2 on TCG Player. There's only 36 listings left, and nobody has like super deep inventory. There's like an 8 a 10 up in the 3 to $4 range. You go ahead and grab a couple copies of this for your decks. You're not going to be disappointed. They look great. And I have a feeling this is going to go $1.50 to 5 plus in the next 12 to 18 months because you're just not going to reprint these and lots of people need well them. i gotta admit uh i needed one and i needed a second one and i i literally just bought a, a showcase scroll foil so the quantity is now one lower um i think this is a slam dunk you're right about everything about the holiday release i agree with you with the art uh we are right now in a point where there's plenty of uh, Lord of the Rings special holiday edition, but we won't be at that point for very long. This showcase art is restricted to this time, and so uh, this is this is a great pick. And uh, we might well see some different version of Merkwood bats. Uh, one it, we haven't seen if they're going to do an additional secret layer or some other IP related thing for whether it's Lord of the Rings or any of the other universes beyond. So until they decided to give us a reprint on that, I think anything with this showcase scrolling is going to be a winner, as uh, I talked about last week with Lorian Revealed, and now you're on these. So yes, uh, these will probably be notable and worth picking up until the rest of the world gets wise. All right, tell me about your first pick here. My first pick here is a card that's already rising, and sometimes I like picking those, sometimes I don't. Um... The new Vampire Commander uh, allows you to turn things into demons. And when they die, you get a 4-3 creature token with flying. But since he turns things into demons, this gives a, a win condition to the deck in the form of Liliana's Contract, the two black-black card that says when it comes into play, you draw... I'm sorry, it's three black-black. It comes into play, you draw four and lose four. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you control four more demons with different names, you win the game. So this was in Magic uh, 2021. This had a secret lair drop where it was Liliana and her uh, four demons. There's a foil etched version of this that you could get that is going for around $5 right now. And I think these are going to have a pretty easy double up as people pick it up. Now there are a lot of copies around. The, the non-foil regular you know, from M21, that's already had quite the growth to around $354 from being a dollar card. 
but I think that this being the most premium version uh, looks the best and is going to be something that will go up pretty hard because all the other copies have basically risen up, risen up to reach about the same price. And if everything is close to the same price, I want to go for the one that looks the coolest, which in this case is the Secret Lair. I also don't see this being a reprint priority. Like, sure, yeah, it, got, it no. got the Secret Lair because they printed a Secret Lair that was the demons she fought and then the contract she had. Right. Cool, they've ticked that box, but I don't see them this ever showing up on their, hey, we need a black rare, let's let's reprint this again. It's fine. It's in 20,000 decks on EDH rec, which isn't bad, isn't great. Um, the commander you're talking about is Claveleno, First of the Blessed, one white black for a 2-2 vampire cleric. Whenever you attack, target attacking vampire that isn't a demon becomes a demon in addition to its other types. It gains whenever this creature dies, draw a card and create a tapped 4-3 white and black vampire demon creature token with flying. The beautiful thing about this card, and I slotted this right into Markov, is it doesn't need to attack. A lot of these kind of like juicy triggers are often on the basis that the creature in question is going to attack, but this just needs anything to attack. And in Markov, something's always attacking. The vampire decks are very aggressive. So you just take your smallest vampire, and it doesn't have to be non-token. So in Markov, you're getting the 1-1 tokens pretty much every turn. So you turn one of the 1-1s into a 4-3. If they block that then you get a 4-3 black back again anyway, and this time it's got flying. And you, draw, you, <laughs> and draw, you draw a card. card. And you draw a card. So it's just all upside. And in that deck, you're you're frequently getting plus one, plus one counters on your vampires and making them bigger. So there is a, there is a, a world where you'll want to attack with First of the Blessed anyway. Pretty much all the cards that talk about the 4-3 vampire demons are all pretty good. There's there's yeah, another the there's one an, that descends. Yeah, there's another one where you you get uh you get one and then later you get a, the backside of it as well, and it's all pretty strong. I don't know that you know Clavenio is currently number nine. I would bet in eight weeks he won't even be in the top twenty. That said, Markov is in fourth. Right, everybody went back and up, updated their Markov deck, so Markov has jumped back up into the top five, and. This card because is because the red vampires are just awesome. Yeah, well, because the because of all the new vampire support. And, well, just and, because Eminence is a broken ass ability. Yeah, honestly, that, that's, that's the what, that's, that's the, what the real core reason. is. Yeah, that's the real yeah. reason is that all the Eminence commanders are gonna are kind of like a Traxa. Like they're just so good that anytime so they print the themes that matter, there will be a resurgence on those commanders because when people are deciding which one to run, they're gonna naturally gravitate to the, to the strongest one. Um, so. Uh, I think this is pretty reasonable that the contract will be a slow burn over time. I don't know if you're going to get there in six months based based on just the vampire hype right now. But I do think that the card is going to dodge reprints more easily than other cards. And I think that those niche style cards that are great in multiple decks but don't catch reprints very often do tend to be gainers down the road. Also, eventually they'll make a, a, a set with a bunch more demons and then this will spike all over again. But that's way, way down the line. That's the there are no bad specs kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, the other selection I have this week is Troll of Casa Doom Showcase Scroll Foils because it's exactly the same as like your Lorian Revealed pick. Lorian Revealed being the best of the cyclers. Troll is pretty much the second best. Sees plenty of play in both the Kebal Coffers decks that are on the rise in Modern that might get a boost after the BNR announcement. 
where they go pull up swamps that can combo with Cabal Coffers. And it also sees plenty of play in Legacy decks as well. It do, it's not doing that well so far in EDH, but I think that's a kind of a weird mistake. Most decks should be running the cyclers that matter like this, because for one mana you go get the Tri-Land you're missing. And that's better than most of the other ramp options you have, especially if you're not in green. So if you're in black and you're not running the Troll, it's a little, it's a little odd to me, because you have Coffers as well. Um, but anyway, the Showcase Scroll Foils is down to 20 listings. I mean, this basically just came out. but Yeah, that sold they're, quick. They're, they're being bought at a quick enough pace that I can't see how these don't get driven up into the, you know, five, five, six, seven, eight dollar range in the next six to 18 months. Currently you can get them at about 250. I think you're probably going to sell them back on direct at eight down the road. Looks like a no brainer yeah. to me. And, and again, this is a very Lord of the Rings lore specific card. They can't reprint this easily. Yeah. Should we go ahead and just tell people to buy whatever land cyclers they need in the showcase scroll foils? I forget the names of the, the green one, the red one, the and, the, Eagles, and the white one. But Yeah, the eagles are the white one. The tree folk is the green one. The red one is the elephant, Oliphant. Oliphant, yeah. So all of these are, are strong picks. and uh, But the, the troll, especially for all the reasons you cited, it does you even see some legacy play, which is not really going to move a lot of cardboard, but this is the fancy version, and legacy players will never settle for the basic when they can go for the sweet version. If, so their deck, if their I'm deck is, is is foiled, then this will be the version they're going to go for, yeah. Yeah, they wouldn't they wouldn't go for those those other And, and unlike the Merkwood bats, this is the only premium version of this card. Yeah, you'll only be able to get this in the, the sweet version. And that sweet version is only available for a limited time, so buy now. And your final selection? My other pick this week is a Merfolk pick. Um a lot of the tri uh, tribe, excuse me, the typo enablers have gotten uh, a lot of love, and the precons in Lost Caverns of Ixalan are just chock full of good stuff. But one of the things they did not reprint was Forerunner of the Heralds, which is the fixed version of Marrow Harbinger. So Forerunner of the Heralds, three and a green, three two enters play you can search for a merfolk reveal it shuffle your library put on top and whenever another merfolk comes into play he gets a counter uh this was a fixed version of marrow harbinger which was the two three island walk that only had the go find a merfolk but they got a new version so now a merfolk deck can have two ways to do the same thing and this was way back in rivals of ixalan and it has not gotten any sort of reprinting not a list copy not a secret layer Nothing in foil or non-foil. So I think that the foils right now, there's only about uh, three pages of listings, 25 vendors, no huge walls to talk about. And it's just going to be a great card unless they get around to printing some more foils. Merfolk are a popular tribe to do. They have so many lords and so many cool enablers that they've printed for the tribe over the years that this just seems like a, a card ready to pop this is a very narrow card that not won't be top of mind for a lot of people but if you're building a merfolk deck in edh you're going to want this card for sure and it's really more of a supply side play like we're the foils are already down to seven right. listings on tcg player you're, there's only a few a handful of copies out there under five dollars you're targeting 12 seems entirely reasonable because we're very far up the ramp and 
in terms of drawdown on supply. So it, even if we're only getting a one or two month burst here on Merfolk decks, that may well be enough to get in and out on these cleanly. The lowest price direct copy is still pretty cheap, but once that one disappears, you know, who, it's unclear to me what price point fills in the direct gap. Yeah, somebody's going to make a, a nice amount of money on this. All right, so moving on over to our weekly topics, we're going to take a look at the top 10 commanders because there's been a fairly major shift with the re- release of Ixalan. We've talked a lot about how there is merfolk, vampire, and dinosaur hype, and this very much is reflected in the updated stats on EDH Rec. We see the top commander of the week is Pantalaza, sun-favored, uh, and an extremely broken dinosaur commander, really. Yes, two, yes it is. Two red, green, white for a 4-4 dinosaur. When it or another dinosaur enters the battlefield under your control, you discover you may discover X where X is that creature's toughness. So this is a 4-4 that discovers 4 right away. Goes and gets you a non-land card to cast that costs 4 or less. And then you play any other dinosaur and its butt equals discover butt. Which is just great. The thing about... <laughs> The reason this is the favored dinosaur commander over Gishath or um, Sakama is just the cost. Uh, When you play a seven or eight casting cost commander, you usually get to play it one or two times a game. And then you're kind of out of luck unless you've got mega ramp. Uh, Something like a Zuladoc can get around that because you're ramping so hard. But in the case of dinosaurs, it's really nice to go five, seven, nine, eleven and pretty consistently be able to do that throughout the game just on the back of green ramp and maybe a smothering tithe or something. And given that this the power level of this thing is just so high in terms of getting other resources into play, and in a dinosaur deck, a lot of your sub, uh, your smaller stuff, like if you play a dinosaur with a four, five, or six butt, is not going to be another dinosaur necessarily, although it could be a utility dinosaur. It It's going to be something like a mana rock or a smothering tithe or you know, something like this that some accessory. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or a ramp spell or, or something like that that goes and gets two basics. So it's just going to be all upside to be running pant Laza. And yet the second most played commander of the week is Gishath, uh, his herself, I'm not hundred percent sure, but between the two of them, it's 2000 decks reported. And that is more than double the next, highest commander which is hackbal of the surging soul two green blue for a three three merfolk scout at the beginning of combat on your turn each merfolk creature you control explores very powerful whenever hackbal of the surging soul attacks you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield if you don't draw a card very standard green blue uh, ability suite there at 820 decks then we said we had edgar markov at 587 which was in fourth place and then clavelio at 463 so well you're leaving off the michael tyrant and o'hare oxenil oh yeah but what i'm saying is that edgar as a vampire commander and clavel oh right right claveleno first of the blessed that you were mentioning your spec for earlier that adds up to about half as much demand as the vampires so basically dinosaurs twice as popular as vampires right now in edh and then merfolk a little further behind the rest of this is the Ur-Dragon in 5th place at 532 decks. Atraxa still running strong in 6th at 508 decks. Oger, Axonil, Deepest Might, the red god uh, that deals damage to things equal to its power. 
is in 7th at 469. The Myco Tyrant, very good black-green commander that churns out a bunch of tokens at 469. And then Atla Palani is another dinosaur commander. So I guess it's not 2,000 decks for dinosaurs. It's 2,500 when you consider Atla Palani, which is explains a lot about why, why so many of the di- dinosaur cards, both old and new, have been selling so well. Yeah, we, we love dinosaurs. Uh, we were speculating before the set came out, you know, what would they do that would rival what Gishath does for dinosaur decks? And the answer is Petlaza. But, and they just gave us a lower-costed, value-laden engine that's exactly what you said. Whenever you're going to discover uh, some amount, you're going to find a card that is going to give you the chance to play more dinosaurs. And honestly, we all love playing more dinosaurs. We never got over that phase of being a kid. Uh, Atla Palani surprised me because I, I think there's just a few more egg creatures in uh, Ixalan now, right? It was all about we want to make eggs. Yeah. Uh, I like that in the, the Pantlaza decks, you can put a bunch of natural order type effects in there and then go get your biggest dinosaurs. Love it. I think I just pulled, yeah, I just pulled a Galta Stampede Tyrant, the new Galta, which is eight casting cost, 12, 12 trample. When it enters the battlefield, put any number of creature cards from your hand onto the battlefield. So if you're, so if your Pant Laza hits natural order or something like that, then you can go get Galta and then drop all the rest of the dinosaurs out of your hand. Yes, that, that is totally Uh, legit and exactly the kind of play that commander players are dreaming of. Super nasty. Um, have you seen people do ridiculous things with Hawkball yet? No. Oh my god! Like uh, we've talked, we talked about Marrow Commerce making mer- Merfolk tokens. Each Merfolk creature, so Explores, whatever, yeah. it's, it's just so much value. Like you're gonna get four lands in your hand and a bunch of counters because something good will be on top. Do you think a blue deck has a way to draw an extra card or two? Oh look, there's one built into Hawkball. He's really reasonably costed. There's going to be immediate effect. Uh, there's a, no shortage of good merfolk to run, but this level of card advantage is really hard to argue with because God knows blue-green needs so much help getting lands into play. Alrighty, moving along to our final topic of the week. There's a ban announcement coming on Monday. It sounds very much like they are going after Pioneer and Modern. Best guess based on the... Uh, hints they were dropping in the cast today. Sounds like they're going after Black Red Scam. Uh, sounds like Fury is probably on the chopping block. I've got a R- Russian borderless Fury that'll be pretty sad about that if it doesn't sell by the end of the weekend. The <laughs> I've always thought that going after those uh, comes back from the graveyard spells was the way to go. I've said that multiple times on cast. But f- their argument seemed to be that Fury being present in both the Beanstalk decks and Black Red Scam allows them to target that single card to weaken the power of both. It's not a bad argument. Completely reasonable. Um, Given that those two decks are doing the best. It also sounded like they're going after Pioneer. And given that the most, you know, before these Ixalan decks, Pioneer was in a fine state of affairs. 
if they're going after those combo decks, the question is whether they're going after the red four drop uncommon from Ixalan or casting a wider net. They also seem to suggest they might be unbanning stuff in Pioneer, and that leads me to believe leads me to question whether something like Smuggler's Copter might be coming off the bench. Let me, that's a good question. What's on the pot? You think uh, Smuggler's Copter is ready? I, I if you have a like a turn four combo format. <laughs> You can probably unban Smuggler's Copter. Right, right. Let's see. What is the current list of cards banned in Pioneer? Brawl banned, Popper, Pioneer. So the Spy, Expressive Iteration, Felidar Guardian, Field of the Dead, Fetchlands, Inverter of Truth, Kessiths, Leyline of Abundance, Lurus, Nexus of Fate, Oko, Once Upon a Time, Teferi Time Reveler, Undercity Informer, Underworld Breach, Uro, Veil of Summer, Walking Ballista, Reclamation, Windswept Heath, Winota. Uh, I forgot about the whole Reclamation uh, foolishness that Pioneer had for the longest time. Mm-hmm. So uh, I I went through all of the the rumors and the, the stuff they want to talk about. It did seem like uh, they do want to do some unbanning as well as some banning. Uh, this feels a lot like what happened with uh, what was the mechanic in Legacy, uh, the initiative. So if it, the problem isn't the mechanic, the problem is how quickly you want to ramp into it, and when you ramp into it, then you're going to end up winning from the advantage. Only in this case, Geological Appraiser is the only four drop with a Discover three, whereas you can start discovering for five and six mana for enough to do all this. But that means that you're going to hit other. Th- that you have to build your deck in a much more careful way. The Discover 3 trigger, especially going with Quintorius's trigger, depending on which version of the deck you're building, uh, it does seem like they're going to go after the Appraiser because it's 4 mana. Because you can Magma Opus uh, to, on turn 2 to get the treasure token. Turn 3, you're casting this, and you're off to the races, and you're going to win. So then, I- for unbanning, I like Walking Ballista if we're taking bets. I, I don't know. Bliss is still a combo card. That's why it's banned. It's definitely not banned as a value card. I, I would imagine that it's more like Copter or Teferi Time Raveler, maybe. Oh, Time Raveler is just so miserable. So uninteractive. I understand that, that you have the uh, a different view of, of fun, but like the games are just less... You don't get to do things. I guess Teferi is only good to protect control or combo, so maybe that's just not the right, right. route. But but I think Copter would be my my first guess at what could be unbanned, because it's strong, but I don't see how you can't handle a Copter in this format. I mean, there's a lot more ways to kill creatures, to kill artifacts. There's a, a lot going on here. I've, I think that they want to do something splashy. They're not going to unban the cards for Oops, I Win... Uh, I don't think Kethis combo comes back. I mean, the spiciest thing they could do is unban the Fetchlands, but they define no, the that's format. that's not going to happen. So I don't think that's happening. Yeah, that's definitely not happening. What was the combo with Leyline of Abundance? Do you remember? I think it was in the mono green decks. It was just crazy. That's right. It's just crazy in mono green because everything taps for a ton more. Um, so you you think they're they're going to actually hit Fury? That seemed to be the consensus. People were talking about how... Uh, buy lists had had basically shut down on Fury until Monday, and they and they know for sure. I wouldn't be surprised to see it be 
Fury Beanstalk in modern. Fury plus Beanstalk. Yeah, I think that's possible. Maybe they think wow. without Fury, Beanstalk doesn't need adjusting. But Bean, we talked about this before, how Beanstalk's only in the one deck, really. So if they're worried about that deck being still good without Fury... Because the thing is, they can still run Solitude. They can right. they can adjust their color mix so that they still have Omnath and Solitude triggering their Beanstalks. That's still pretty good. And there's a bunch of other high cast and cost stuff for free, like Leyline Binding, that also does the trick. So I'm not sure they're nerfed all that hard without Fury. But I, ha- I haven't played the deck enough to know whether it's still viable without Fury. My guess is it is. Uh, I think Black Red Scam is, is in a significantly worse position without Fury because Fury Grief is the core of that deck. I don't know right. if Scam, Scam survives just on being more of a value engine. Well, it's interesting to me that it's a, Modern's in a place where they felt they needed to protect creatures in play rather than your hand because Grief, you know, will strip your hand of your two best things and you're you're playing with your leftovers and whatever you can top deck. Fury is their easy answer to you have problematic uh, permanents in play, they're all dead, and now you have a 5-4 double strike left behind. So it might be that it's too good. One of the reasons they printed Fury in the first place was to handle uh, things like Ragavan and other small casting cost stuff that they wanted to make sure the format could uh, prevent from overwhelming the format with aggro. But the the argument now would be even if we get rid of Fury, you still have Bowmasters to handle that role. Right. And I, I don't see them targeting the the One Ring. By the way, looks completely safe. And keep in mind, in the middle of summer, everybody thought that that was going to get banned for sure. One Ring right. decks are not. We were. The One Ring has found its <laughs> slot in the format, and it's a multi format star. But it's doesn't doesn't look like it's a problem. So what about the number of times that you and I specifically have said? I don't think they're going to ban one of the, one of the elementals because yeah, this is MH, the really on MH3. the agenda for Modern Horizons three. So, if they go that route, my next point, my response to that on Monday when we talk about this next week will be, well, I guess they're not reprinting it at MH three because if it wasn't Ooh, in that list, they'll, they a... will. Well, if it wasn't on the MH three reprint docket, then they don't give a shit because <laughs> they're more than happy to ban something that clears the way for fresh cards in six months. Because you know there's going to be busted cards in MH3. That's the whole point of printing right. MH3. That's the whole point of a Modern so, Horizon set is to shake up Modern. So if they only had to ban one thing from MH2, they're fine with that. This Considering what Modern Horizons 1 was like, you have a very good point. Uh, my question is, I've at this point, we, we know we're around six months out. This is, it, has Modern Horizons 3 gone to the printer yet? No, but the set list is set. The set list is probably pretty, pretty done. I would imagine they hit printing press late February or mid-March. Okay. So there's time for them to replace Fury if their plan was to do the other four, the, the whole cycle of elementals. Now they have to find a new mythic reprint for Modern Horizons 3. And they have some time to do that. Not a lot of time, but they have some time to do that. If that was the plan. if that will, And we'll know if that was the plan if we see four other elementals in Modern Horizons 3. I'm just, I'm just taking a look at Fury's stats for legacy play. So, yeah, you see it in some legacy decks. Mono Red Prison, Painter, 
Boros Initiative with uh, Fourth Aerolingus. Fourth Aerolingus. And in terms <laughs> of, you don't see that much in Commander, I don't think. No. This 10,000 decks so far, which is, which, which is rel- relatively trivial. Well, it's more that like cleaning up one draw, like one toughness things is not as much of a thing. In I would play this in an elemental deck, yeah. But I I wouldn't be like, oh, I absolutely have to. This is useful. A, but it's I don't think a, it's a bad card in Commander. I just don't, at this, at the point in the game where you might want this, you could just cast any other sweeper that'll do the same thing. A Blasphemous Act would right. actually take care of things for one or two mana. So uh, do you want, do you want to uh, make your prediction now? I think it's Fury and Beanstalk, based on the way they were Fury talking about it. I I'm surprised that they resisted Fury for so long, but I it like you said, it sounds like that's going to be the card. They do you think? Uh, what are the odds that they're trying to fake us out and they're going to go for the one mana uh, come back from the dead cards? No, the the I don't think I think they were trying to give the market a signal today. The way that they were talking around the subject and. Right. I don't think they're looking to misdirect. That's just a really bad plan when you're dealing with this kind of stuff where you're going to piss people off because there's going to be people that have 500 other play sets of Foil Borderless Fury that are not going to be pleased. <laughs> so, uh, and, and they're going to get, that's going to be like a hull breacher situation. They're going to get cheap in a hurry. They're going to get very cheap. Maybe I'll add a couple to Commander decks after all. Well, I mean, my Russian Borderless is certainly going in a Commander deck <laughs> if it gets banned. Because where else am I gonna, what else am I going to do with it? That's so much text to be in another language. <laughs> I mean, I've got this card memorized from, you know, 10 ways from Sunday, so no big deal. All right, I guess that's a wrap for this week. Where can folks find you online, my friend? You can find me online at Twitter at Word of Commander or my articles every Friday on mtgprice.com. And you folks can find me on Twitter at MTG Critic, as well as via my occasional articles on MTGPrice.com and my constant haunting of the Pro Trader Discord. I'd also like to remind our listeners to check out the MTGPrice.com Pro Trader service for just $9.99 a month or $109.99 per year. You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, low-cost group buys, and a super active Discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. Once again, MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Please use a promo code FINANCE5, that's FINANCE with the number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. That's it for this week, James, and guess what we get to talk about next week? Oh, there's reveals for the haunted murder mansions of Karlov or something next week, isn't there? Plus, there's going to be a ban announcement on Monday. Yeah, there is that. Thank you, Cliff. Thank you all to our listeners. And we will see all of you next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance.